0: Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God as people and as purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Hey, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm sat next to you. Get your Bible out. Get your notes ready. Bro. Is there any Welsh people in the house this morning? No, thank God. I'm just kidding. That was a rugby joke for those of you that are lost. Hey, um, I'm excited this morning uh, because as a church, we've been spending some time in Matthew 5, but kind of dipped in and out of it through all the things that have been going on, the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we've kind of set the scene. We've looked at different aspects of Matthew 5, but we come to this this kind of like gear change from Jesus, where he picks six elements or six things in the law and and he, he opens them up, and he, and he drills down. And, and as I was prepare, preparing, I was kind of given the first, the first of these six, as it were. And I was preparing, and God really gave me, kind of spoke to me this phrase, and he was saying to me, as I was reading this, because I was reading this, and I was, I was like, man, this is, this is quite difficult, because I know I'm not perfect, and I know I'm maybe not living this quite. And God just really spoke and said, hey, mind the gap, he said, hey, mind the gap. And I was like, okay, so I, I thought the message is going to be mind the gap, the gap between who I am on the stage and maybe who I am on a Monday. Or the gap between what I speak in the house of God, but what I speak in the world. And then, again, as I started to drill down, I realized that these six kind of teachings, this kind of phrase would be relevant to our text. Gordon said, hey, what if we did like a six-week series called Mind Mind the gap. So we're going to spend six weeks looking, breaking this six elements down with that thought in mind, mind, the gap. You see, there was a gap between what the Pharisees knew in knowledge and how they lived their life. There's a gap in, Jesus, we love you on a Sunday, but can't find our Bible on Monday. There's a gap between our saved soul fighting against our sinful flesh, right? Right? There's a gap between who we want to be and who we know we should be, but sometimes who we are. And you see, this side of eternity, we'll never get there. But you see, this whole thing about the fulfillment of the law, and as Gordon spoke about and Craig touched upon about grace, is is it's not to just rid of it. Now it's been been fulfilled, we're just going to get rid of it, we're going to play the grace card, and we're going to live a reckless life. No, no, we still need to look at the law, but with fresh eyes, with a fresh revelation. And if I was to set this kind of six-week series up, if you've got a Bible, I'm not going to preach from this, but I want to set this up in Romans 7. Romans 7. Give me a a little shout when you're in Romans 7. Nobody. Okay, so no one's got the Bibles open. I might just, might just make this up then. Maybe I'll just, just go. It is on the Sky Bible. And this is what Paul says. He says, I do not understand what I do. I can relate to Paul. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who is good. As it is, sorry, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. I can super relate to Paul. Now, if I do... What I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. And we could go on, he could go on, and he says, goes on to say, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. See, the law has been fulfilled, and we now have life, through faith by grace. But you see what Paul is saying is there's this battle going on. But when I, when I say the prayer, when I become saved, when I find salvation or, or the miracle takes place, you see we become rebirthed. The new creation the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And then, so now with the Spirit living inside of us, we can go back to the law and read it with fresh revelation. We can go back to Matthew 5 knowing that we are now saved by grace through faith and we can read this with fresh eyes, not from condemnation but for a conviction that the Holy Spirit works through the law inside of us to go, that's not right. There's a gap here in your life. Let's try and close the gap. Let's work together. You see, Jewish rabbis love to teach on the action of sin but they would never get to the heart. They would never teach about the sin that's inside here. They were just all about what was seen and not what was unseen. And Jesus is going, hang on a second. Let's start with us. See, I love it because it says, Jesus, you know, he was always gracious and when he approached. When he started to speak, he would always come with a bit of love and grace. And he says, you have heard it said. This phrase was what the teachers of the time would say. What's Jesus doing here? He's getting his, his, his audience and, and he's respecting who they are and saying, you've heard it said. You've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But in every one of these, there's this beautiful little shift where he says, but I say. Now, what was Jesus doing? He was professing his deity. He was, he was telling them, he was revealing the prophecy who was to come, it was him Now, did the people of the time see that most of the time? No. But the Bible talks about how it was hidden until the right time. But now this side of the cross, when we see that Jesus says, I say unto you, our ears should be pricking up. And we should start to see what Jesus is saying. How can we apply this passage to our life? And so today we're going to start with the first one of Mind the Gap, part one in Matthew 5, verse Twenty-one. I'm gonna try to take a little wee sip of this water. So grateful for Scottish water. Honestly, you don't know how good we've got it, people. I love how I use that phrase like we. Like when I want when I want to be Scottish, I'll include myself, and then when I want to. Anyway, side note. Who's there? A nice, easy title to this little passage: murder. Thanks, Pastor Gordon. <laughs> nice, easy one this morning. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago. You're reverting to Moses and the law and then, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, yeah, we, yeah, we agree with that. Okay, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother slash sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, settle matters quickly, and your adversary who is taking you to court do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, the judge over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Last verse this morning, I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Hey, we pray with me once more? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this church. We thank you for our pastors and our leaders, Lord. We thank you for those who have gone before us we celebrated a birthday of, of someone who's gone before us, and we thank you for the next generation who are making loads of noise through their God, doing the same as us, just opening your word, that we may be changed a little bit this morning, that it might change a little bit of something inside of us that changes our week, that we may be the light of the world, and everybody said, amen. Where are my chefs in the room, or cooks? So if in your household, you're the one who's in charge of cooking, put your hand up. Okay, okay. James or Steph hasn't got the hand up, so I'm not sure. Emily? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some of you kind of know I, I, do, I do all the cooking in, in, um, in our household. And my wife is totally okay with that. She knows her strengths and she knows her weaknesses as I do. I know my strengths and my weaknesses. I cannot eye in to save my life. But I'm okay at cooking okay? And if anyone's been to my house, hopefully it tasted okay, you know, hopefully it was good. But I've just, um, I've just been on holiday, can you tell? <laughs> no, didn't think so. And um, we, we just did like self-catering, there's me, my wife, and my brother-in-law, Mikey. Now, now, if any of you knew my wife's mother, Mary, she was an excellent cook, a really good cook. So those children were spoiled. So, so when I'm cooking for Tori, like, there's a bit of pressure. But when I'm talking cooking for Tori and Mikey, man, I'm sweating in that kitchen for two reasons. One, it needs to be spicy, and two, it needs to be good. So on holiday, we, I did a lot of the cooking, went out for a few meals, but, but we, we did some cooking. And one particular evening, they'd seen something on YouTube, and like, "Sai, you've got to make this. You've got to make this meal. It looks incredible. And I was like, game on, let's go. Not too complicated. So I got the ingredients, and, and I started to make this meal, and I, it was this uh, sweet and spicy pork. Looked, looked brilliant. I was excited. I was looking forward to this. But, and, and Darcy, you have got the first picture, the pot. You can't really see it, but there's it, you know, reducing down, and, and the flavors, and it's starting to smell all right. And I'm excited. And then um, next picture then, Darcy. So we plate it up, it's, a, it's like a Korean, kind of Asian dish with noodles, plated it up for the Instagram, wipe the plate, you know, you've got to get the picture, get the right, and like, yeah, yeah, if you didn't put it on Instagram, then it never happened and all that. So so I present this meal to Mikey and Tori, and, and I take a bite, and I'm like my own worst critic of food, I'm like, it's under-seasoned, it's blah, 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 like, that's me, to the point my wife's like, just shut up, it's fine, it's good. But this particular time I was like, guys, this is a bit salty. Like, no, no, honestly, and they were like, no, it's, it's fine, it balances with the spicy, and then like three or four mouthfuls through, we're all kind of looking across each other. Now, to date, 29 years on this planet, I have never had a meal thrown in the bin, okay? Three, four mouthfuls in, and the meal went in the bin, and we went and got a takeaway. Never <laughs> happened, it was a sad time I'm in prayer and mourning and fasting <laughs> a few days later then so so I, I was like what's gone on here and it had soya sauce in and I was like maybe I've misunderstood the quantities and it's the soya sauce that's quite salty and I put salt and soya sauce maybe over okay we'll try again a few days later I'm making hot dogs a bit of a shift <laughs> and and I'm doing like you've got to do the onions right I'm going somewhere with this please stay with me so, you've got to do like the onions, the sweet, the sticky onions. So, I'm making these onions and you just throw them in a pan, a bit of sugar, a bit of salt, let them do their thing. Come back to these onions, and I'm not telling you there was three onions in the pan that disintegrated. Gone. I was like, I mean, I know they reduce, but so salty. So, at this point, I'm like, what is going on? So, I reached to the cupboard. Darcy, final picture. And it turns out that my Spanish is even worse than I thought, and the salt was, the sugar, sorry, was salt. So when, and if you know as a chef, when something is a bit salty, you can try and bring it back with either some acid, some lemon, or some sweetness. So this salty dish is getting the treatment, <laughs> the onions are getting the treatment, and I'm thinking it's sugar, and I'm putting the drasted salt in it. My point this morning is what goes in comes out. What you put into something, what you put into your heart, what you put into your soul, someone will taste somewhere. What goes into something is going to be experienced by someone else in the world. And the thing with this passage and talking about bitter and anger, it can be like the salt that we think was the sugar. It can go under the radar a little bit. And when we realize the root of it, We can now start to make some corrections. And when I realized that the salt wasn't the sugar and the sugar wasn't the salt, I know why the product, the fruit, was terrible. And we can come to this passage where Jesus is talking about hate and anger and murder. And my question this morning is how aware are you of what's going in? How aware of you? Uh, where are you in your world, in your workplace, in your relationships, in your social life of what's going into your heart and to your soul? You see, seeds take root and seeds grow for good and for bad, to build and to destroy. And, and, and here I think Jesus is, is drilling down to talk about the seed of anger and hate and how it comes out in our speech. I think he's talking and really saying, hey, Pharisees, Like your language, there's a gap between who you profess to be and actually what you're speaking. There's a gap sometimes between what we say in church and to our friends in church and what we speak out in the world. There's a gap between what we say to each other in here and maybe how we speak to our husband or wife at home. There's a gap in here between what we read in our Bible and maybe how we speak to our parents or guardians, right? How aware are you this morning of what's going in? And are you aware of some things that are coming out? Maybe this morning we need to stop and let the Holy Spirit do some work to reveal the source of the problem. You know, some seeds we're responsible for. You are responsible for what you watch on Netflix. You are responsible for what websites you go on. You are responsible for whose people you make friendship with and build with. You are responsible for how you behave in your workplace. But some things we cannot control. You cannot control how people sometimes treat you. You cannot always control how your managers maybe treat you or what happens to us. We cannot control what happens to us in life. But here's what we can. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can control what comes out of our lives. And that is our key this morning, is identifying the root, even if it's not of our own doing, but letting the Holy Spirit work through us to bring out, the God flavors in us. Psalm 139 says, search my heart, O God. He go, the psalmist also says, hey, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to my heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to our eyes. Is that our conviction? Like I'll be the first to say that I don't find that easy to read. Because I don't always see the law of of God or the teaching of Jesus and find it super easy. I don't always, my profession is not always, this is a joy. (laughs) Maybe it's just me this morning. But I read some stuff this morning, uh, this week in my preparation from Spurgeon. My word, it gave me a headache. (laughs) But he, he, I sent it actually to Pastor Gordon. He did what I think are really good work on trying to reconcile works and grace, the law being fulfilled but still needing to live a holy, righteous life. And he says this, Precepts are not given to us a way to obtain life, but as the way in which to exhibit life. It's not the way to get life, but it's the way we should exhibit, demonstrate God's love. The commands of Christ are not upon the legal tenet of this, do, and live, but upon the gospel that says live and do this. We are not to be attentive to the precepts in order to be saved, but because we are saved. Grace demands a response. We have been saved by grace, bought at a price. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to live your life? We are called to live holy. Be holy as I am, the Bible says. And and I've and and we come to what might seem in the next few weeks like complex, difficult stuff. And some of it is. But you see Charlie always says to me, my my mentor, my bishop, he always says, Hey, when there's something complex, find the simple. Find what you knew don't and break down the complex with the simple. And that's what we're gonna do in these next six weeks, is take what might be complex and break it down with the simple to reveal what actually is in this passage. You know, like in, in this word, it's so rich, so much in it. And I don't believe God is complex and secretive. But if you think, if I was trying to try and illustrate like this, think when you do a treasure hunt with children. Do you put things away that they may never find it? Or do you put things that they may seek and find it? And I think that is maybe how we should approach these beatitudes, is, is not that God's trying to hide stuff, but we need to go and seek and find the treasure in it, and find the nuggets in it. And my title this morning, with finally there, that's my introduction over, and it's 20 past 12. My title this morning is Bricks and Stones. Who designed that? That was Paul, because the title's down there. That's my fault, by the way. Bricks and Stones. You've heard it say, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never, right? Bricks and Stones. The question for for you this morning and when I look at this passage is, are you building or destroying? Are you using your words to build, as Ephesians says, or are you using your words to tear down? Are you using your words to build the kingdom of God, or are you destroying it? You see, there's a gap, I think, between what the church professes and what the world experiences, global church, okay, not getting at anyone this morning. There's a gap between what we profess and who we say we are and actually how we speak. And we need to close that gap through the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We need to be living a life that people look at and go, I don't quite understand that. But there's something about the way they live their life that is attractive. There's something about the way they live their life and speak life that I want to be part of. Not those Christians that are hypocrites. We're all guilty. We all, there's always a gap but why is it there's a gap between we understand maybe the price paid for us but the price that also was paid for other men and women? See, God paid the price on the cross for you and I. And I think we find it kind of easy. We can get to a place of like, wow, God paid that price for me, but you suck. Hang on a second. The same God that paid the same price, why is there a gap in how we speak to God's creation See, we need to love our neighbor, as it says in Romans, as ourself. Our relationship to other people is is, is in correlation to our relationship to God. And I believe the depth and quality of our relationship with man is intrinsically related to our relationship with God. I believe when you spend time with God and develop that relationship, you see more of the Father's heart for people. And when we then go and have relationships with people and our spouses, and our family, we've spent time with our father, and it comes out in our behavior. It comes out in our relationships. He, verse 21, where does he go here first, Jesus? He says, hey, like you've heard, murder. Yeah, we get that, don't take another one's life, we've got that. And he says, no, no, but if you just speak to somebody in the wrong way, if you're angry hatred towards someone then you have committed murder of the heart but the thing is in that we are all guilty but but my question when it says brother and sister who do you believe is your brother and sister and neighbor not not was the biblical answer for a minute, like we know what Jesus said about your neighbor and the Good Samaritan and how far he went to say who your neighbor is, but what's your personal conviction of who your brother and sister is? What's your personal conviction of who your neighbor is? So that when you read this passage, it says, hey, don't call your neighbor a fool, don't call your brother or sister a racker. What's that mean to you? What's your conviction understanding of your neighbor? You see, bricks built. When we speak life, we can build something. But stones destroy and we can speak and destroy through our words. And when seeds take root and we don't process anger properly and we don't reconcile where the angers come from, it becomes hatred, bitterness. It takes a root and nasty behavior, nasty words starts to come out. And we have to get back and find what the root is. Anger isn't a sin. Misplaced anger, anger that's acted on in the wrong way, is a sin. Just as sex, money, stuff isn't sin in itself when it becomes the main thing, when it becomes misplaced in the wrong time at the wrong case setting, it becomes sin. Anger in itself is not sin. Jesus was angry at times. But when anger becomes hate there's a shift. And, and as I said earlier, you can't always control what happens to you. Anger, we all will experience emotion, good, bad, healthy, maybe unhealthy. Anger itself is not a sin, but Ephesians says, hey, in your anger, do not sin. Where's the root? Where's that anger come from? What is it that maybe we can do to break that down, to help others? How far are we prepared to go to build and not destroy. How far are we prepared to go as Christ follows his disciples to speak life, to build, to build the kingdom of God, to build others up in our words and not destroy them. I saw something brilliant recently at, at the Gallica retail park that just, just was kind of brilliant but kind of funny. Where, it wasn't funny but there's quite a few homeless people that obviously kind of sit around there and, and I was just going to get my ticket and and this old dear lady, bless her, had fallen and was, was quite helpless. And the first person there, I tell kid you not, the first person to go and help them was the homeless person. I was just like, wow. Like, are we the first? Are we the first to go and reconcile? Are we the first to process some of that anger, not let it grow and go moldy? But process it. Take some of it to God. Go to the people. Speak to people first. To process it, that it doesn't take root and become hate, which leads, which John says is murder. When you hate your neighbor, you, you've committed murder of the heart. There's a, there's a phrase in, in sport, don't hate the player, hate the game. I nearly got that wrong. Don't play, hate the player, hate the game. Where, where's, where's this going? Okay, so sin is detestable to God. Sinful behavior in ourselves and others is detestable. Sin leads to pain. Sin leads to abuse. Sin can lead to horrible, horrible situations. We know that. But we have to try through the Holy Spirit and through our relationship with God, love the person, detest the sin. We need in ourselves to separate the sin from who we are As Paul said in that Romans, the flesh and the spirit are at war and we need to try and break and separate. You see, in Peter it says, honor everyone. And I believe that as we truly want to love others, we have to honor others. Now that looks different in every situation and circumstance and we have to kind of hear me this morning with, with grace that I can't cover every single circumstance and situation in this room. And I know there'll be people who've experienced the wrong side of hatred. And there's nothing you could have done about it. An injustice. But Jesus in this passage, he talks about the law of the land. He talks about the judge. You know, Jesus died for your sin. He didn't die for the mess sometimes it causes. Now God is gracious. Gracious. Thank the Lord God is gracious and God uses what was bad. God uses what is detestable. God uses the stones we throw for good. But sometimes we have to face the consequences of our actions. Sometimes we experience the consequences of others' actions. But are we building? Are we breaking? Jesus is not saying that the action of murder and hate are the same thing. He's not saying if you kill someone, that's the same as calling someone a fool. What he's saying is the root is the same. He's saying, Hey, when you speak that root, that seed, it's the same that leads to murder. That's the same root. I go back to that question how aware of we are we of some of the seeds in our soul, in our heart that are taking root and growing. He goes on. He says, Therefore, so we've got a problem. We agree, and, and the Pharisees are kind going, of like, "Hey, Jesus, you, you're probably right. I've probably called someone a fool. I've not got time to go into raka and what that means, but, but the heart of what Jesus is saying is, hey, you've spoken horrible words. Let's all just level the playing field. Therefore, okay, what's, what's the solution? What, what next then, Jesus? Therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go. Turn to your neighbor and say, Go turn to your second choice and say, go, and be reconciled to them, then come back and offer your gift. Church, we have to go. Context of the time, okay, Jewish people would travel to the synagogue, bring their uh, sacrifice for their sin offering. They would travel, they would bring that, okay, And then they would get to present and realize, actually, maybe there was some sin they didn't even realize. Or maybe there's some reconciliation that they can't, the person's not in the room, so they could offer what was called a guilt offering. And they could go through this other process with the the high priest, another process, and you could offer this gift, and that would reconcile. So what Jesus is saying is, that's no longer good enough. That sacrifice had its place, but now he's obviously, we now know that he is the sacrifice once and for all that we don't come into church and offer sacrifices and goats and lambs and all that. Thank the Lord. But when you're saying, hey, go, that would have been like, so you want me to travel this way to bring this sacrifice offering that you tell me to do and then leave it? Well, yes. Yeah, that's what I want you to do and go and be reconciled to your brother and sister. Modern day context or modern day context is is about our heart. Are you... We are not going to oh, question you on our welcome team next week. Going, okay, how, how right are you with your brothers and sisters? Yep, yep, no, right, go, back, off you go. Now, that's not the point for modern day context. Is as we come into the sanctuary, the house of God, as we come into prayer, worship in our quiet space, how is your soul? How is your heart? How are your relationships with other people? And as we spend time in the quiet place, in church, in our worship, it should through the Holy Spirit, it start to reveal us some things that are not like, right that I need to go and settle, some matters that I need to go. We need to be the first to go and reconcile. Now, reconciliation is not always reciprocal. Yeah. Jesus was reconciled to his enemy; they put him on a cross. You can go as a Christ follower and be reconciled to someone who has wants nothing to do with it. But we need to pursue peace. We need to be at peace. And, and Peter says, cast your burdens on me. Come into the sanctuary. Do what you can to be reconciled, but the rest leave it up to me. I, w- I am a just God. I will bring about judgment. I will bring about what is right in the law of the land and in eternity. But where's your heart at? As you come into worship, as you enter into prayer, as you enter into times of, of reading the Bible metaphorically, do you need to go and be reconciled to your brother and sister? Is there some things, some texts that you need to send? Not right now because you're listening to me. Some messages that you maybe need to go and send when you got here. Some family members, some tough phone calls are maybe going to have to take place. Not that we make everything hunky-dory and we smother over. No, no, but, but there's a peace inside of us. You see, the Pharisees wanted to bring their sacrifice To outweigh their bad behavior, they thought all their works of bringing extra offerings would be fine. But we know that salvation only comes through faith and not works. And now our holiness and righteous actions need to come from that place and reconcile and be the first to go. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord, it says in Psalm 24, but he who has a clean hand and a pure heart. Now none of us are perfect. We'll never reach perfection this side of eternity, but it's about a posture of our heart. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed, blessed are those who get themselves on their knees before the foot of the Father, and realise what a wretched sinner I am, saved by grace, and that changes the way we approach the relationships. When we get a better, a greater revelation of the price paid for us, changes the way we live our lives, to be a reconciler, bricks to build, stones to destroy, reconciliation builds something, reconciliation demonstrates, models the love of the Father, love of God for you, because he came and reconciled the relationship between you and the God on the cross, that's how far he went for you, you know how you value something will come out in how you act, how you value or understand grace will come out in how you act, you see, on holiday, I, I've never driven abroad, but I hired a car. It didn't really cost me much to hire the car, but the excess for the single scratch on that car was £1,000. I don't get paid enough money, Fox and University Press, to pay a £1,000 for a scratch on that car. I've never driven more like a... I've never driven more like a conservative, slow, checking my blind spots ever, Okay? But you know what? It revealed the value that I put on that car. In my action, it revealed the value that I was putting on that excess. How you behave reveals your understanding of grace. You see, if you're bankrupt in grace like a credit card, you've misunderstood that the debt was settled and now we need to try and live in the red. Are we going to fall back? Absolutely. Are we going to fail? Absolutely. But looking at The Bible, the Word, prayer, worship, accountability, small groups. Each day we should look more like Christ and be in the light of the world. People should see a change, a difference in us because we're building something. Verse 25. Reconciliation can be a journey. Jesus kind of shifts gear here a little bit. Reconciliation can be a, be a journey. It might not be just one conversation, one text message. So settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the price. Modern context of the time, that you could go and find a brother or sister you had something against and you could take them to like a, a lower level court and that could be heard and then if they deemed that there was an issue then it could be passed on. But you see the thing what Jesus was, was saying and there's quite a lot of scholarly disagreement in this it's been quite difficult this week but but, but premise is, is that you know what actually when you take your brother and sister to court and you realise you're both going to be guilty of something. You're both going to end up guilty. So why not? Why not settle the matter quickly between yourselves? If you need to call application, if you need to call pastoral help or friends into conversations that are difficult, then do that. But settle things quickly. Keep short accounts with God each day. Keep short accounts. But what does it look like when we close the gap? When we are the first. We are the Christ followers. That even in, just, in injustice, even in pain, even in sorrow, we're the first to go and reconcile. Did anyone see the, uh, the case in America? It's not going political, don't worry about this. About the white police officer that shot a, youth, a black youth pastor. I don't know if you saw it, but, but the court case, it was a while ago now, but the court case was recently. This youth pastor, I'm not going into the whole story, was shot by a white police officer. It went to court. The brother of this youth pastor stood in court and preached the gospel to this woman. This woman gave her life to Christ in the court. The judge himself handed her a Bible as she was sentenced to prison. We're not talking about consequence here. We're talking about a heart issue and what the enemy meant for bad, stones, rocks, Man, what grace, what forgiveness for that young boy to go. I'm going to build something in the kingdom of God. I don't know how. It's not through my efforts, not through my strength. It hurts like hell, but I am going to have a kingdom mindset. I'm going to let God do his thing. God is a healer. I'm going to let him heal my wounds of what that person said. I'm going to let God do some heart surgery in myself, but I'm going to build the kingdom of God. I'm going to put bricks in place instead of throwing rocks. The world's got enough rocks being thrown around look at our politics man what would it look like when a church through their speech through their words started to speak things and if you're not sure what to speak just say something kind the bible says be kind and what words of the bible you know you do know it's okay to paraphrase and try and bring them into your office situation Certain situations and cases might give you an opportunity to pray with people and open up the Bible, absolutely. But in those times and cases where maybe you're not sure, how much of the Bible do you know to break down, to then speak, and it comes out in your language, because no word of the Lord will return void. Not, no word of man or the flesh, no, no word of the Lord will return void. What goes in will come out. You know, we love to sing like, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders, but I'm going to go and send that text message. And my faith upon the waters, but I'm not. No, 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 I'm not doing that, God. Wherever you call me. No, I'm not going. I'm not doing that. We have a brilliant way of filtering, don't we, what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of us. We have a brilliant way of singing these songs. But our posture before God and we're not reconciled to people, our relationships outside are messy. Our family situations might be messy. That's because we've got human beings of flesh, sinful, broken people. But as Romans says, as far as it is to you, on you go make peace. As far as it's your responsibility, you go make peace as far as you can. And then come before God with clean hands and a pure heart. And he'll let him do a deep work in you. Band, you can jump back up, I'm nearly nearly done here. Settle matters quickly, side point. Don't major on minors. Aren't we good at sometimes letting petty stuff really grow into something horrible and nasty? We're all guilty of it. Settle matters quickly before you get to court, i.e. life's too short, Sometimes we've got one moment. Sometimes we've got one opportunity. Sometimes we've got one conversation. (laughs) Kirsty. Kirsty's Finney just started rapping rapping Eminem while I said that then. Anyone else went there? One shot, one opportunity, not a chance. Okay, I only listen to Christian music. I'm sorry for that. One opportunity. To speak life sometimes. One conversation away from maybe someone who's feeling suicidal. One conversation, one word of someone who's maybe thinking about this whole God thing. Maybe just one sentence, one conversation. You see, when we understand this, this passage and we look at verse 27, I love how Jesus is kind of speaking like he does metaphorically because he says, hey, if there's an issue, you're going to have to pay every last penny. Settle the matter quickly in this life. But if you go to court and you're made to pay every last penny, you're not going to be able to pay it. Context, what's Jesus pointing to? Hey, Pharisees, even with this law, you're never going to make it into heaven. What you need to understand is I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to pay the price for you that then you will make it to heaven through faith in me and my work, not your work. But you've got to live a holy life. There's got to be righteousness because I'm going to pay a price for you. Well, love because he's like, I tell you, you'll not be able to pay it. And that's the beautiful thing about how we can read these difficult passages is that we can understand that God has done it. He's paid the price for you and I, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed from the inside out, and we can start to look a little bit more like Christ, and we can look at these difficult passages knowing very truly that we have committed murder this week in how we speak, that we have thrown some stones and not put some bricks in place. But I was reminded of a story in the Bible where there were some stones involved. And, and in John, John 7, John 8. No, John 7. Where have I lost you? I've lost you. John 8. Verse 3, it says this The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made us stand before the group and said to Jesus, "Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, and in the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what what do you say?" They were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Don't actions speak louder than words sometimes. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if one of you is without sin, let him be the first to cast the first stone. Are any of us without sin this morning? No. Are we throwing some stones that we shouldn't be throwing? Are we carrying some rocks that we shouldn't be throwing? Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said, then neither I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and leave your life of sin. I love the picture that this paints. And I think, sadly, this paints the picture of sometimes the people in the world and the church, that they feel shame. They know that they've done wrong, and the church is surrounding them with these big rocks, ready to cast them, ready to throw them. According to the law they were doing what Jesus says, hey, hey, check yourself. Splinters and planks comes to mind. And I just picture just as the revelation was starting to take place, just rocks dropping. Rocks dropping. And there's the rocks you can just see the devil cowering. Like, what are you doing? Jesus, what are you doing? Just rocks dropping as each of these pharisaical leaders who knew the law was starting to realize, oh shoot, I have no place to throw this rock. Bricks and stones, church. Power of life and death is in the tongue. How many rocks have we been throwing as individuals, as a church, global? We need to start looking at Jesus' actions. Does he, does he look at the sin? Absolutely. Do we want to speak the truth in love? Absolutely. Stones dropping. One big brick for the kingdom building. One soul saved. Because of stones dropped and bricks put in place. What does it look like when our words start to bring life? Our words start to reconcile situations in our offices. When our words start to reconcile situations that the world could never settle because we're dropping stones and putting bricks in place. Why don't you stand to your feet, church? I want to pray this morning with you, church. I know a lot of that is probably quite tough to digest. And quite hard, but we're in this together, working together, unified through the Spirit to go and change a city, to change a nation. Let every head bow and every eye close this morning. I want to pray with you through some situations where you know in there is a bit of a root of hate developing. For whatever reason, i love to pray with you this morning that through the Holy Spirit, through God working, that it can be reconciled and that you can go to bed at night with peace. That your words would start to be filled with life and light and not death so Heavenly Father we thank you for your word God we thank you that we can read this book knowing that it is finished on the cross we thank you that we are saved by grace through faith and not works oh by Holy Spirit that you would help us as Spurgeon put that we would live a holy life that now we have life we would live in a way that expresses your great love for us God, that we, in our speech, would reflect the love of the Father. In our speech, we would reflect the love that is in the message of the gospel. And God, I pray where there is difficult relational tensions in this room, that you are a miracle worker, a way maker, and that you would begin to reconcile, that you would begin to give the words needed, the grace and the forgiveness needed to bring about reconciliation, that we would see the lost return home, that we would see prodigals return back that we would see families restored in this nation in this church that we would see families grow we would see that marriages becomes a pillar in our community in our church that the young people growing up would see the importance of reconciled healthy relationships God, I pray that this week we would drop some stones and that we would put some bricks in place, that the kingdom of God would advance through our hands this week as we put bricks in place through speaking the truth in love and bringing life and light into every situation. We would start to see the kingdom of God grow in this city, that we would see this church change through testimony, through words spoken. Oh, God, that you would give us the words where we fall short, where we have, feel like we have nothing to say, that we would reciprocate. reciprocated. Re- can't even get the words. <laughs> but we would be listening to you, Holy Spirit, to what you want to say in every situation, God. We would drop the stones and put the bricks in place. This week, God, we love you. Thank you. Everybody says.